0: know what 3 John is, turn to the very back of your Bible. You'll find the Revelation. After you find the Concordance and things like that, you may have. Thank you, folks. Right after 2 John. So, in between the book of Jude and 2 John, you'll find Third right. 3 John. Ooh, down. Um, John is an interesting book, for John is. It's a book about struggle, about how struggle. Fortunately, that does happen in a lot of churches, and it's no stranger to the New Testament churches. that even happened there as well. we will take a look at some of these guys. We're going to spend more time learning tonight than we are preaching. Um, so, I want you to think a little bit about what it would have been like to have been John and had churches that you cared for, if you loved, and that you were kind of under your watch. Let's say that John kind of filled the role of something we call bishop at the time. Bishop is not just pastor. A lot of people think bishop and pastor are interchangeable, and to a degree they are. But bishop was this time to kind of one who oversaw. Bishop there, or sometimes we like to think of John as still in the role of Director of Missions in Baptist life today, but that's not true either, because Director of Missions have no authority over any such. John had that authority. Always be a problem somewhere between people, but God working. Amen. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come today in Jesus' name and oh, how we thank you for your work. I want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for the decisions that were made for you, for the baptisms that were made, Lord, and I just pray that you continue to grow us, continue to bless us, continue, Father God, to use us. to speak to the same that was brought. The gospel to everybody who is not carrying of gospel, those who are traveling and those who are upset, that you can reach out and touch them with. Let them know they love and pray for them to bring the sickness back to us for them. Soon as they promise we pray for those who are watching online or listening to. bishop or a recognition and you see a pastor speaking to each other. Perhaps you see a prominent church member and the bishop speaking to each other in this letter. And so there's trust, there's love, there's understanding, and there is planning that happens in terms of God. In fact, if we were to break it down in that line, we would look at verses one through four To eleven, we will be talking about perfect domineering guy named Diocletian. Of course, twelve so fourteen will be about a wonderful person called. Know this, but this happened many, many, many years ago. A man uh, went sailing with another member, and as they were out sailing, they began talking to each other. They got to know each other. As they began to know each other. They began sharing where each one, one of them worked and what they did for a living. Well, as fate would have it, pain storm came. Their little sailboat sank. They swam to a marooned island, a little teeny tiny desert style island with one coconut tree on it with no coconut on it, and they began to cry. He cried. The elder of the two sat down to his back up against that tree. The younger man began to his feet on that little bitty spot of sand. Of course, the older guy kept looking at him. Finally, the younger guy started crying. He started crying out loud. He said, We're doomed. We're going to die. We're doomed. Of course, the older guy went and said, Why do you think we're going to die? He said, We have no water. We have no food. We have no way of Don't you understand? We have no food, no water, no way out of here. Your yearly income means nothing. You say. Yeah. I am a strict believer in tithing. I promise you, my pastor will find me. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Let's start in verse 1. The elder unto the well-beloved, Gaius, I you know, love and the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospered. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came to testify of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that thy children walk in the truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness to thy charity before the church. Whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly court, thou shalt do well. Because That for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church by our who loved to have a preeminence among them, receiveth ah. us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember the deeds which you do, praying against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither does he himself receive the brethren, and them him that would and catcheth the mouth of the church. He to do as good is God is to do it evil. is not evil. To viewers have to be report of all men and of the two self. Nay, we also bear reference. So if you were to take a look at that little epistle, Sir John, what kind of sermon would you bring out of? You're joining us online tonight. What kind of sermon would you preach out? It may sound like there's not a lot there, but I want you to know there's a life preaching. The there is. Thank right. right. you. Right. Is the paradox of question between elderly, and it's a noun, and it's, of course, specifically an Israelite and yeah. When we're looking at the elder, we're looking at somebody who's spoken to someone with a soul People ask me, who's the elder in your opinion? I believe elder John. I believe John, the apostle. I believe John, who wrote the Doctrine of John, John, who wrote the Revelation. John wrote first John, Second John, and Third John are all the same God. Now, it's okay for those of you who disagree with me, and it's okay for those of you to say, I think it's a different John. Well, I don't. I think we're all the same God. I like the little similarities I see in the wagon style, such things as we know our testimony is. looked up into his face and said, Lord, who is it? so I want to talk a little bit about John. the you know, John, who's grown old. John, who his face, trials, tribulations, persecutions, temptation. John, who has Now is older, now is frail and weak in his body, his mind and spirit are strong. While scholars believe this little epistle was written somewhere around the year 90 AD, meaning that John the Apostle would be at least in his 60s. At least say and name, that is old At least in his 60s, but more than likely in his 70s or 80s. That's a long, Old, John is feeble, but John has seen things. John knows things, and I wonder what it would have been like to be the one to put your head on Jesus' chest, to hear his heart, to he so lay your ear on his chest, and to hear that. Writes to a person in the church who may be the pastor. He may be someone who's just a, an outstanding member in the church. He writes to a man named Titus. And before he's the same author of 1 John, therefore, the same as the author of the gospel of John and the Revelation. Uh, well, I believe writer of John. The characteristics of him? Of course, he does the church. Without a doubt, he does. One, he won't take a Second John, you'll know a little bit about how much you love. Because if you read first John, you'll know how much he talks about loving each other and loving God. In fact, he reminds us that if you don't love your brother, you know... Five, for this reason I left you a priest, that you should set to order the things that are lacking and appoint elders. Uh, the president in every city as I come in two. Here is those requirements, those characteristics that that John would have had to exhibit, John would have had to show, and therefore model for the people he wanted to be elders in his church. Take a look here in verse 6 with you. If a man is blameless, I'm to that's a high standard right there. Come on, say amen. Blameless. When's the last time we've been blameless about anything? I can tell you right now, if you came to my house and played Monopoly with me, you'll find out I'm not blameless. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to win. Be like, what happened to Park Place? What's over there in Patrick's Pile? I did it's get there. I don't know. It, it floated over here. No, it's not true. However, blameless is part of that. Blameless doesn't mean sinless, though. And blameless doesn't mean that you don't have any problems with freedom. Blameless means, though, that you can be trusted wherever you go. Trusted when somebody tells you something. Trusted when somebody shows you something. Trusted not to do the wrong thing, even though the temptation and the ability is there to do it. You know, there's something to be said about that particular man. That man, you can put a million dollars in his hand. And when you come back, the million dollars is still there. That guy doesn't mean he doesn't have sin in his life. That means he is trustworthy. And the picture we get right here is you're going to be an elder and undoubtedly John was an elder. He was blameless. Have we know, from so John's own preaching. If they were staring in his life and all their eyes, we could think of some of John's mistakes. If you were to think back to the Gospel of John and to the Gospels himself, what kind of mistakes did John make? I remember one where John is actually confronted. John and the disciples are confronted by some people and they actually say, Lord, do you want us to call out fire on them? And Jesus can you remember that? Can we think of a few others that John may have had? Did John have any mistakes? Not a lot, though. No. We always want to point at Peter. Amen, right? We want to point more at Peter. We like to think of John as a writer of God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But John is human and John therefore going to do it, consider it done. You know, Bible says, husband of one wife. I'm telling you. going to saying you can't sometimes. Here is the requirement. Wish you could. Right? <laughs> By God, I would. Let me tell you, I would twist his ears when he said, I believe it. That would be good enough. Wrong. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Because if that's all it took, that's what I would do. No, no. Take a look at what it says right Faithful children, not accused of Christian. What does that mean? These are one, the ones not around causing trouble in the neighborhood because they know they may not be Christians, but they know Dad will get a hold of them and they'll be false. See, they blame in other words, he has respect for his elders. Let me tell you pastor. Elder, bishop, if you're watching, if me, listening and online, you are expected by God to be the leader of your house. And if your children are running amok, you better get yourself in gear. Because the Bible tells us if you're going to be an elder, your children cannot be used the That doesn't mean they're not walking up and saluting you. I'll leave them up. That's not what we're talking about. What it means is that he knows where to cut it out. He knows what it's saying. I'm dropping this to rain. Verse 7 For a bishop, must be him. As a steward of God, not self willed, not quick tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money. A hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober minded, just holy, self controlled, holy. Words as he has been taught, that he may be able, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and convict those who come. Those are all characteristics of John, I don't have time to go through each and every one of those, though I dare say if we were, we would learn a lot of bit about what kind of man John was. These are thoughts the Apostle Paul had about what a elder, what a bishop should be like. You want to know learned? Right, St. William's next continues by 2 first Timothy. Apostle Paul writes a young pastor there. this, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. The Bible says this is a faithful saying. For man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good person. It's something he is admired to do. A bishop then must be. Husband of one wife. Oh, that's why. Temperate, sober minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to keep. Not given the wine, but at least Not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One rule to Now, let me take a to speak on that. Not a novice, but being puffed up with pride to fall into the same condemnation as the devil. What is Paul talking about here? Not a beginning Christian. You know what's funny? A lot of people who get saved, a lot of people who desire to offer pastor or bishop, they get saved, they come down the aisle, and within a month they say, Move over, Pastor. I'm here to start preaching. When are you going to let me preach? Pastor, Step aside, it's time for me to start leading the church. I am the pastor. Well, my father says, not right, a The best way, oh, there's a good description The best way I can describe novice is when I was young, I spent my time playing mindless video games. That's right. And you can put it on beginner, you can put it on advanced, or if you were really. doesn't understand that we are redeemed by precious blood. Somebody who doesn't understand that the relationship with God is the of the That's the relationship with God, everything else with saved, God. You want to know why many people die away? That's the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul says not a novice. Just being puffed up with pride, he falls the same condemnation. wondered what Paul was referring to. I think you know what he was referring to. We you know from the book of Proverbs that after pride, sometimes in this bonus, they come as the fall, after pride, there is a the great right choice. No We'll tell them the truth. And it is hard to he that fool of God say, I am God. novice Christian stands up behind that pulpit and he leads them and says, you can't do it without me. You can't understand unless I'm the one who teaches. You're the one who's wrong. have a good testimony among those who are outside. And it's clearly That's people who want to. That's why we now we believe our ministers who come in and ministers to get on our staff and volunteer or pay, we to do a background check. You know what else we should do nowadays? We should also do a credit check. Did you know that? We should. Because ministers are just as guilty nowadays of stealing, of theft, of not paying back their debts. have a good report and people do have time to the Lord as well. Reason why? Because you'll fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. What is the snare of the devil? We already know what it is. Apostle Paul tells you. Paul tells you flee from the love of money. Stay away from those things. It's a snare. And uh the some of John's characteristics. Take a look at some of the things. Let's take a look at Gaius. Greek word Gaius. Uh, Is old enough to be the product of an obscure etymology. But obscure as the format etymology might be, this name then and now must remind us of the familiar Greek noun, naia. society would possibly reflect the same kind of idea they gave us the name literal in that context, earthly. Sometimes we translate it a little more loosely, we'll say red man, a red person, and those are acceptable, but they're not quite what it's supposed to be. Adam, Gaiz, very similar. Both of them mean made of earthly material. Mr. guy concerned Christian who's watching the church fall apart inwardly. Really could very well be the pastor in struggle with Diotretius, but we don't really know. We just know he's concerned, he's watching the church fall apart inwardly, really, and he's in contact with John. And John is in contact with him. And as the elder, John had authority over the church Gaius was a part of, but the church had obvious autonomy because it could. Understand all those things They could choose their own path. did have some autonomy there. They could choose to find out a little bit about that. He's in struggle with a leader of the church named Diotretes, but Diotretes may not actually be the pastor. He may just be a church. We don't know. We don't know much about him. Now stop like this. I want to bring you back. Bible says "To the elder, unto the well-beloved Gaius, to my love and the church. Let's talk a little bit about John as he writes this letter and he reaches out to Gaius, trusting him to hold the church, to love the church, to be a part of what's happened there. John writes to him and he says, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health." I want you to have what it takes. Now, please understand, when we read a verse like verse 2 in 3 John, I want you to prosper. A lot of people think that means that we should become rich or we should become wealthy in Christianity, but that is not what John is getting at. What John is getting at is that I pray that you have what you need to make it through this world and this life today as Christians. God knows, now listen to me for a second, God knows that we need things to make it through. Let's take a look at some of the things that we need as Christians. Number one, we need clothing. Can somebody say amen? I don't know about you, but uh, it will be a very rough day in Robert's Avenue Baptist Church when we decide that clothing is no longer necessary. Right, you know, the Prophet Isaiah has a, uh, an issue with that. Remember, in chapter twenty, God speaks to him and says, "Hey, you got to completely take your clothes off and go and preach the message, and show them by example what's going to happen to you as the Babylonians and the Syrians carry you away." He does for years. Could you imagine listening to that sermon? My point is this, though: God knows we need clothing. No help, God knows we need. God knows we need food. I want you to prosper, says John, the guy he I pray that God gives you the clothing you need. I pray that God gives you the food that you need. I pray that you have the ability, and I pray that you have the wits and the intelligence to make it prosperous in this world. You know what? It actually takes time to survive in this world. You know that? It does. It does. God writes to Guy used, and he says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. The other thing that we need is good health. Let me ask you a question, Christian. I'm preaching to the choir here. What about taking care of yourself? What about looking after your health? When we're young, a lot of times our health is something we don't really care about. You remember when you were young and the stupid things that you did? I remember when I was young and the stupid things. Did. And I know now the older I get, the more painful those stupid things are. Things that I thought didn't hurt then hurt badly now and keep you up at night nice sometimes. Sometimes you get on your knees and say, God, take the pain away that I brought upon myself and my stupidity. Here is John preaching. Here is John teaching. Here is John praying and wishing for Gaius, one, to prosper to have health because God knows we need to be healthy. And here lately, the Christian church has turned away from God's given us that instinct to stay healthy. We've turned ourselves into unhealthy people. We don't sleep well. We don't relate well to one another. Have you looked at our children nowadays? They don't even know how to talk to each other unless they're doing it on this. What's the point? The point is this. Here's John saying, I want you to prosper. Not just you physically, but your soul to prosper. In other words, if your relationship with God would grow. Then it would go to the point where it is prosperous. For your relationship with Jesus Christ would be what you call out for. Let's look with me in verse 3. God rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth is in me, even as thou walkest in the truth. Oh, John says, I rejoice when brethren came and God, you are prospering, that you are growing, that you are in that love relationship with God, and that God is using you, God is speaking through you, and God is protecting you in your mission. I rejoice in that. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Obviously, Gaius is somebody that John led to Jesus Christ. Obviously, Gaius is somebody who learned about that love relationship and I believe John being the greatest tell us what it would be like to have that love relationship with Jesus Christ. What it would have been like to put your head upon his chest. What it would have been like to outrun Peter to the Oh, we make jokes about that we have resurrection day about how it got written in the Bible, how John did outrun Peter. But I believe he outrun Peter because his relationship was everything to him. And just the thought, just the chance that Jesus could be in there waiting set John on fire and nobody was going to beat him to that tomb. No, I don't think Jesse you was going to there. John made it there because his heart was praying out for God. And this is what he's praying for, you that you would know Jesus like that. I have no greater joy than my children walk in the truth. Incidentally, who is the truth, church? Jesus is. Truth isn't a philosophy. Truth isn't a way of life. Truth is a person, Jesus Christ. And what John is saying is, I have no greater joy than to find out that you're walking in Jesus the truth. That's what my joy. is. That's what makes me happy. That's what makes me older that I am. So, well, we're learning a little bit about John's conflict, means John I We're learning about Gaius writing to John, and I wonder what that first letter would have said. This is a response. I wonder what Gaius said. I wonder if it was, hey, there's this dude named Gaius, and he stood up in the middle of the church, and he said, I'm the only speaker, the only teacher. I'm the only one who leads. And incidentally, the rest of you can get gone because I'm here, baby. And I wonder, what happened. We like to think of John's church as being big and huge. We like to think of a crack like Robinson Avenue, uh, middle size or small size. No. Think of this as no. Think of this as a church that met in the house. It's a time frame where being a Christian is dangerous. Friend, where it's going around saying Jesus Christ is Lord, can get your head cut off. And this guy shows up now in the middle of the church on top of the persecution the world is throwing at you. He stands up now and he says, It's not about a love relationship with God, it's about loving. Gaius' characteristics of picolism. Acts 20, 29-31. For I know this, said the Apostle Paul, that after my departure, a savage wolf will come in among you, not sparing the flock. I think Gaius is seeing that. This guy named Gaius showing up out of nowhere. A savage wolf coming in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch, the Paul. Remember that for three years I did not cease to warn anyone, night and day, with peace. I told you. I told you that when I'm gone, when they're gone, when we're old, and when we're broken, and when we're writing letters instead of being there face to face, these people are going to show up and they're going to say things like you don't need grace. You need law. They're going to show up and say you don't need morals. You need Around the church, involved in this way of thinking, there's something called indulgences. Anyone know what an indulgence is? An indulgence is where you would go somewhere and somebody had a relic that belonged to John or Peter or Paul or Mary or Jesus. And they would say, Look at this. Put your hands on it. Your sins will be forgiven. Your body will be healed. And before you do that, they'll better pay you a thousand dollars. That's called an indulgence. And that's where this came from. And Paul tells us there will be these savage wolves. They're going to rise up and they're going to tear the little flock to pieces. He sure did. But the Catholics weren't the only one guilty. Also from among yourselves, Those ones who rise guys and say, follow me, he's a false teacher. Come with me. We need speaking in tongues. We need healing. We need this. We need that. They're perverse. And they draw them away. Paul says, therefore, watch, remember, that for three years, I did speak to one. every one night and day, which is Gaius. Learned, Gaius has heard, Gaius, 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 Gaius remembered. We'll let's take a look some more like that. Now, that's though. Let's take a look at some of his characteristics. His Greek word, Diotrephes, literally means Zeus. The word means to Zeus. It's a son of Zeus or a follower of Zeus. Diotrephes, named Zeus, and it's gender from Deo, corresponds to an ancient group that expresses brightness the sky and clarity of vision. The same group gave us the words Deo and Zeus, meaning God, divine, godly, diva, <laughs> or deified. the fruit even yielded the noun day and the verb to do. I'm going to brief that, but day's next. Next slide, please. So that's a The second part of our name it comes from the verb dreadful. It means Jewish or great. Right. It means lots of struggle. It's old John sins to uh, have a battle of, of wills, if you will, with diets of peace. Demetrius. Uh, I like his name. Demetrius is a nice form of the ancient Greek male giving name Demetrius which means devoted to Demeter. Now, Demeter was, of course, a Greek god and he couldn't tell what he was named to, but that was his name. Demetrius. Demetrius being devoted to Demetrius. Demetrius. Uh, when I was... Uh, young father, and I remember uh, my boys used to watch uh, some wonderful cartoons and wonderful Christmas shows. You remember some of the Christmas specials that came out? There was one that came out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, and Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, was, he was like a, a superhero, he became a superhero, and he was chasing around this guy. He, he was the Turbo Man. Remember that movie? Turbo Man. Well, his arch enemy, Turbo Man, was a guy named the Mentor. And every time I read Third John, I Demetrius the Mentor comes popping my head. Is, is before that, and, uh, well, here we have Demeter and Demeter or Demetrius, means one who is devoted to Demeter. Let's learn a little bit about him. Third John's recommendation of Demetrius—he's a letter carrier and possibly fit to struggle with the spiritual control of the Church of the diocese. I wonder how that came out to be. And let me ask you a question: What do you think happened when Demetrius showed up? You think there was a struggle? after was. Was there a battle of wit? Maybe there was a debate. Maybe there was a public argument. Perhaps there was. I'm showing up Sunday, and I'm going to put him in his place. We don't really know. We don't really know what happens. But we do know what John said. Let's take a look here. We'll look into verse 12 here. Demetrius had good report of all men and the truth itself, Yea, and we also bear record and you know that our record is true. I have anything to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Shalom unto thee, peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee, greet the friends by name. So, we now have the spiritual struggle set up between Gaius and Dem- Demetrius, and let's take a look at it. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that wolves arise up, there'll be men speaking first things to draw men them after themselves and make the Bible, and so I can think of a few that rose up throughout our common era right now. Can anybody remember Jim Jones? Right now. You say, who's Jim Jones? He's the guy that made that town and he gave everybody the Kool-Aid with the cyanide in it. Just so, perhaps you heard the phrase he drank the Kool-Aid. What about one that was here locally in our neighborhood in the Waco area, David correct. the Branch Davidian, Seventh Day of David How about one that was on the radio in the early 2000s, Harold Camping. Anybody else think of some others? that are out there. Some of these savage wolves that rose up not sparing the flock. And I wonder what it would have been like to look at those little sheep with the blood all over their wolves. And you know, listen to them cry. Savage. 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 Next slide. How do we fight them? How would you fight them? Look the book of John doesn't give up. Sir John Doe tells us, hey Hannah, I pray that you're doing well. I pray you you have good health. I pray you you have what you need to make you the work. I pray you you walk in the truth. I pray to you walk in the truth. Incidentally, if you're a pastor, you're a soldier, you're a Sunday school teacher, you're a deacon, this is one of the ways we fight. We're number one, we pray for the church. Can somebody say We pray for the church. How do, How do we fight those savage wolves? How do we fight those false teachers? Let me tell you, one of the veins of my existence of pastoring small country churches for over 20 years was that guy that would show up. He'd show up out of nowhere Sunday morning, and everybody, because he only had 20, 25 people in the church, everybody shook his hand, everybody hugged his neck, everybody loved on him. He gave that sob story, and I knew what was coming next, because I've seen it a million times. Next Sunday, he would show up, and all the people around him again, saying, God bless you, glad you're here, glad you're coming here with us. And the next thing he would say is "Pastor." I share my story. I said, well, what kind of story do you want to share? Because I knew what it would be. And that story would be something like, I'm on my 13th marriage. And I want to teach people how to stay married. I'm like, no, no, you're going to teach them how to get divorced. Apparently, you've got something wrong. I remember passing my first church again, my eighth eight ninth, waiting to perform. I had performed a lot of them. Contact he contact me. he's visited the church often, and he was a really nice individual. And he contact me and he said, hey, there's Joshua. Can you come and do my wedding? And I said, I'd be delighted to do that. And so I sat down with him, and he bride to be, and began learning a little about him. He's like, oh, well, she will be my sixth wedding. And I mean, I got up in the chair, and I was like, huh? Does this be my sixth wedding? I'm not, wedding. I'm not here to talk to anybody. But he said, perhaps she'll be the right one. Of course, he's me, a small mouth. I said the things I thought she'd be fit. What I said was, after six of them, the problem is not them, but you. He just looked at me and said, you know, if you became a Christian, these things would come to an end. They would come to an So, when you look at those little churches and the veins of my existence, and you start now talking about that guy that showed up and said, the, the, let me... Move over I'm here. And it happens in every church. I a pastor. does it happen here, Do so that. Will it happen again? Do so that. Pray for your church. Encourage the pastor and the staff. Tell you what? Grab Mark one day and tell him he's doing a good job. Grab Robert one day. Tell him he's doing a great job. Grab your deacons. Tell them they're doing a good job. Grab your Sunday school teacher. Tell him you're doing a good job. Grab your pastor and say I'm your Summer. What did you do? Tell them he's doing a good job. Pray for them. Encourage them. Encourage other church members. When you see them down in the dumps, pray for them. Love them. Put your arms around them and tell them that everything is going to be okay if they will stay in God. You know what else we need to do? Give abundance. Now, when I say that, I'm not coming up money. I'm talking about giving you stuff, love, giving time. You're not, you not realizing. people set the pew said, I wish they'd asked me to do it. I just did. You just got invited. Join in. Get involved. We need you. Those 15, 20 people, get time. Especially after 10, 20 years of doing it. Give abundantly. Don't die. Forgive. When somebody's going to hurt your feelings and you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Forgive. Serve. Tells us, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Pray for your church. Let's look at the next slide. Pray. First Timothy two eight tells us, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. First Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. To get the idea, we should be praying. Encourage your pastor and staff. Acts 9, verses 26 and 28. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Do you know who wrote 14 books of your new Testament? 27 books in the Apostle Paul wrote. 14 of them, over half of them, written by the Apostle Paul, and they did not believe he was a disciple. I think if anybody ever knew what it was like, it did not be accepted, the Courage Courage. never know we have a you it. Verse 27 But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, how he had spoken to him, how he had preached boldly at the Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. Barnabas took Paul by the hand. Barnabas' name literally means the son of of encouragement. Be a part of and encourage somebody today. Let's take a the next slide. Encourage other church members. First, fifteen, Corinthians 14, 12. Even so, you, yes, since you are a zealous or a zealous spiritual gift, yes, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to accept. Be good at what you do. If you're good in the kitchen, be good in the kitchen. If you're a good administrator, be a good administrator for the good of the church. Encourage those around you. Don't use it to have authority. Use it to encourage. Next slide. Give abundantly, Acts twenty verse thirty five. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, And He said, "It is more blessed to give than to receive." You ever come to realize that truth? If you haven't, I'm telling you, give. Malachi three verse ten tells us, "Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house," saith the Lord. And try me now, in this, says the Lord of hosts if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Give and give abundantly. Don't gossip. Proverbs 10, verse 18. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips and whoever spreads slander is a fool. So verse 15, five thirteen. Besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. Not only idle, but also gossip and busy body, saying things. And therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. we will this right here. Give us the, stand, and the bread and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. Make sure we forgive us, God Colossus 3, 24-25, we're serving joyfully, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done is no partiality, serve with joy. Forgiving continues, we're in verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father you will also forgive you. you, do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father Pastor, I am a Christian. I am a member.